A Polaroid of the team lays against a gray and gold background. The team has just come out of a battle. Their clothing is torn and they look roughed up. However, there are big smiles across their faces. They get in as close as they can to try to all fit in the frame. The title of this episode is Masters of Disguise. The text underneath the title reads, The team hatches their plan to split up and deceive this ascendancy. So picking up where we left off last time, our opening panel is all of you in front of Dr. Quantum's door. Um, What do we see with all of you? Are you guys still carrying your photon blasters? And if I remember correctly, we're all still in our PJs. (laughs) Oh. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I probably still have them in the the light briefcase unless Straw has... uh, reclaimed what i i suppose is his property that i have been given uh no i left i left them in there straw i i kind of imagine doesn't technically need them because like he has his he's got nanites yeah gauntlets that yeah that can like create blasters in his gauntlets and stuff so no he doesn't have one jack's jack's pjs are close to his normal outfit anyway so that's fair (laughs) juno doesn't wear clothes (laughs) (gasps) Scandalous. She already flashed everybody, so I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, that was fair. like the first episode, just or second episode. All right, so you are all standing there in your PJs, sans Juno, who does not wear clothes, visiting her dad, visiting your dad. So yeah, who is uh, knocking on the door here or ringing the bell? I guess that there would be a bell if you were uh, so inclined. Uh, I mean, it's probably Juno mm-hmm. as as the leader. I think Straw is mostly staying in the back because while the the team has kind of accepted him despite his fuck up, he's still not 100% sure how Dr. Quantum's going to react. So he's kind of like reverted to like fading into the background as much as If we don't make eye contact, he can't be mad at us. (laughs) Okay. That is how that works. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Juno uh, knocks at the door and it's like almost before you stop the knocking that the door opens uh once again dr quantum is there still in his super suit please come in um when you guys walk in you see that it's still like the it's still like a nice like um interior almost like more similar to like a waiting room than like someone's home. Uh this is really just like his his base, but in the like coffee table in the middle of um of like the comfortable seating, you do see some documents and as you get closer, you can kind of see that it's the somewhat limited information that Quantum was able to find on the Azrel uh, ascendancy, which is very basic information. As we approach in, um, Juno can see what these documents are. Um, she kind of gestures to, to Stralovix and says, Stralovix, can you confirm this information? Uh, Strav, like, kind of poking his head up from behind the, the group. He says, uh, yeah, uh, hold on. And he steps up and kind of scans through everything. Does the information that Dr. Quantum have look accurate? Yeah, it looks accurate, but, like, extremely general. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. that these Rel Ascendancy are, um, 
this alien race that has sort of been like slowly um, conquering parts of the galaxy. Um, very basic information on like shape shifting and stuff like that. Like it, it's not like super in detail. Like he doesn't have like you know the quote unquote plants the Death Star here, um, but just like who right. you guys are, what you're capable of, that sort of thing. Got it. So um, Straw will kind of look it all over and he'll like nod and he'll be like, this is impressive. Um, usually uh, individuals have a lot of trouble collecting information on the Zerau. They're very secretive and covert in their operations. Yes, this is some information I was able to pull from some of my contacts. I'm glad it appears to be correct. I mean, it's a, it's a little like vague, but I could like potentially help fill fill in some details but uh but yeah definitely everything you have here is uh accurate at least that will be needed for the coming conflict i'm sure and he sort of like looks to all of you and you can't like feel him in your mind but just by knowing his uh mind reading abilities you're able to discern that he is uh, gleaning quite a bit of information just from what you all are thinking right now ezra has prepared for this and is just sort of like zoned out thinking about literally anything but the current conversation <laughs> there's like the the me music never gonna playing get you up, <laughs> never gonna let you down <laughs> just just think just think about the head-on commercial i think jack's just being completely open with his thoughts because at this point like his team knows about it and so it's just like well this guy for better or worse could potentially help my situation so asbol is, is notably a ball of anxiety um he gestures for you all to sit and says let's discuss what you all have in mind i'm curious to hear in your own words how you wanted to approach the situation well i got these photon blasters out of character yes <laughs> Did we have a plan coming into this? Or did we just come to say hi? I mean, we had, like, the shadow of a plan. I don't remember what it was. We had a LaCroix plan. We had, like, 11% of a plan. Yeah, it was basically that you guys wanted to talk to Quantum and sort of, like, explore your options. I I believe that one thing you were sort of um, thinking about was uh, using Quantum's powers to, to like, make, to make the Zerel, like, see things, or, um, or, you know, like, you had, like, a couple different ideas, um. Yeah, we, we, I think the general idea is to, like, pursue the idea of scaring the Zerel off with, like, the threat of the Galaxy Eater, and if Dr. Quantum can help us, like, kind of fake out the the ascendancy and like make them think that the threat more imminent and threatening mm -hmm. um then maybe they'll go away but we did succeed in at least making their force that's coming smaller yeah. um so instead of it being like a mil uh, like a full-blown military force it's now like a scientist exploration force but there is still a military ship that's like coming to collect me right okay and look for the uh, <clears throat> source of the galaxy eater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who don't we like that we can make them think it's the source? <laughs> oh, man, I should have fleshed out those school bully characters. Just <laughs> uh... See? More filler episodes. <laughs> um, okay. So then Juno looks at Dr. Quantum and she says 
then you are well aware that our previous attempts to convince the Israel. Zrael. Israel. Zrael. Israel. Israel. Ezra. Zrael. Okay. Yeah. It's X R E L L. Yeah, it, it's one syllable. Zrael. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sci-fi God, words. I I can't speak regular <laughs> words. You can't make me say sci-fi that's, words. That's that's why I make Nick make up all the sci-fi <laughs> words because I'm just like I, wow. I love making up sci-fi words. <laughs> okay, then then she says, "You know of our attempts to keep the Srell ascendancy from coming here and attacking. We're not completely successful. We need your assistance to stop them completely." Uh, at that point, Straw realizes Juno is standing and he's going to send some of his nanobots to reinforce uh, her chair. And then he's <laughs> going to just continue talking and saying, yes, if we feel that we can um, uh, increase the perceived threat from this galaxy eater, it may be enough to dissuade them from even coming to the planet. That's an interesting idea. Do you think that they would leave you behind? I'm concerned that retrieving you may be a high priority for the Ascendancy, and as a conquering people, they may view the Galaxy Eater as something powerful to harness in order to further their goals. If the information that they have is to be believed, it sounds like this is not an entity that could be conquered. Or at least, they are not blindly aggressive. If they perceive a threat to be beyond their capability, they would not lose resources in the vain attempt to conquer it however perhaps we can i believe the t phrase is kill two birds with one stone yeah i remembered that one uh perhaps we can increase their perception of this threat to a level that would destroy the entire galaxy without even giving them the chance to combat it and then somehow make them believe that I'm the reason that it's not somehow like me staying here on earth is keeping it from destroying the entire planet. But then if I'm doing that, then I guess that there wouldn't be any reason for them to not show up. Perhaps we could make the threat so large that the earth is no longer a target for them at all. Could we convince them that not only the earth has been destroyed, but also the source of the eater as well as you? I do not know that we can keep up the illusion that the earth has been destroyed. It would imagine it would make it difficult once they discovered the ruse. It would be hard to dissuade them from attacking once they figured it out. And if we make them think Straw is dead, Straw can never really talk to his family again. Also, they might want revenge. That is also true. The death of the Prince of the Ascendant would probably invoke a great retribution. What if, and don't get me wrong... I was thinking that we might use me since really I ain't from this world and I could be expendable. But what if we convince them that Straw is the world eater? Now hear me out on this. They won't want to take him because he could potentially unleash it within wherever he's at in the Ascendancy. Also, he could potentially unleash it here on the planet. Now, if we could fool them into thinking that he's the problem, it could potentially do the same no-contact thing with it, but we might be able to fool your family into thinking that, you know, where there might be folk here who could detach you from it, but they won't want to be around that 
as it would risk the ascendancy needlessly. I like the way you're thinking, but I think it's far more likely that if that were the case, they would try to take me and find a way to weaponize the Galaxy Eater, if I know anything about the Zrel Ascendancy. That, that's a fair thought, too, but if they do it wrong... Yeah, I, I did have an idea, like, you are not from around here. Like, you're from another, like, what, universe? Something like that. It's, it's Dimension? It's complicated. Well, why don't we just go there? That's the problem. In, <laughs> in my being, uh, in, in my coming to this world, I kind of was locked out of where I was originally from. I've been oh. trying to find ways to get around that, but part of the uh, part of the deal that was made with the that interdimensional being that brought me here was that I can't go home. Well, you said you were like a battery for some sort of invasion type thing, yeah? Uh, in in my old life, yeah, I was I was pretty similar to uh, what Az is going through right now. Well, I mean, so not make the planet look like it's been eradicated, but could we make this planet project the image of the one you came from? Or better yet, just send... The Zrel Ascendancy ships there? Because ideally, they couldn't leave either. And, you know, no offense, Straw, but the dude you talked to on the phone sounded like a real dick. Oh, no, he is. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't a fan of him from even before. He was always just, you know, not cool. Dr. Quantum will speak up and say, If I may, I think that it's likely nothing will cause them to turn around entirely when they're nearly here. What if we take a meeting with them? I can try to discover their plans once we arrive. Guys, the ship is sailing. We can still ship Dr. Quantum with Straw's mom. It's right there. <laughs> we can do it. Straw is going to say, that might be possible, but my people are not usually ones to parlay with a subject of conquest. I agree with Straw, Vix. It seems very dangerous. I would not want to put you in that kind of danger. What we would need to do is make it strategically adv advantageous for us for them to take such a meeting. Hey, Straw, you you said that uh, your folk in, are like the t the type not to waste resources if they can if they can avoid it. What if in this meeting we could do it to where like I don't know we're like Azrael Colony or something like that, or at least make them think we are without like having to fight, and you're in charge of it. Historically, that doesn't work out. <laughs> I mean, it could buy some time, at least. They may be willing to take the meeting if if it's under the guise of a formal surrender without resistance. However, depending on the mood of the Hand of the Comet, it may not go anywhere. Even if it was merely a distraction, that could give Juno the opportunity to access their ship's systems. It's true. If you could keep them distracted, perhaps we could change something in their systems. Overwrite some data or something. It, that, I guess that is true. You could infect their system. I wonder if we could erase this galaxy even from their sensors. Put up some kind of block so that they can't sense this area at all. Like a universal firewall? <laughs> uh, in some sense, yes, I suppose so. Yeah, there's these things in the place I'm from that's... Yeah, you know, we're a little bit ahead in the timeline. They're called, like, virtual private networks. It, it masks their location. 
For some reason, I'm getting the, I'm getting this sense memory. Use code derailed at checkout. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hashtag not an ad. Uh, <laughs> so Stry's actually thinking there for a moment. I'm like, I think there might be something to that. But that also gave me another idea. If we want to still toy with the idea of making them believe a certain thing about the way the galaxy eater works. What if we can say that like the being the host of the galaxy eater is somehow infectious where it's not a single host, but the bond to such a creature is something that can be transmitted organism to organism, something I'm potentially infected with. And if they arrive, they could become infected and spread it across their entire population. Doesn't that go back a little bit to, you know, how they would still want to research it and cure you? But if there's a high risk of them getting infected in the process, they would be hesitant. I understand your logic. However, I think that gives them more cause to destroy the planet. I guess you're right. If it is so infectious, why not just blow it where, blow it up where it stands? I, I feel like... The meeting may, in fact, be our most advantageous move right now. Uh, while Juno would go and uh, jump into their ships to try and t- toy with them, figure, f- make them have other information or something. What'll happen if she gets caught, though? I mean, the same thing we that would happen if any of our other plans fail. We're going to have a world of hurt. I think if we attempt this meeting plan, we will need to split into two teams. I do not think it will be safe for me to try to do in this, to try to do this alone. I would request that I take Stravix with me. He knows the technology the best and would be able to help me navigate those systems. The rest of you would go with Doctor Quantum. Are they going to be willing to meet with us if we don't have Straw with us? I do not know. I am concerned that they would want to see the War Prince in person. Straw, you said that you're. Your kind does the shape shifting and, you know, seeing it firsthand. Can you do that on someone else? Yeah, or like maybe your nanobots make it, make us look like you and have some kind of like link that you might be able to like feed somebody what you'd say in the situations. Theoretically, Straw like thinks for a moment and he says, theoretically, I could have the nanobots create any piece of technology Theoretically, they could create perhaps a wearable hologram projector that can project the facade of another being on top of your own. It wouldn't be perfect, but it could potentially fool someone from a distance. Could that combined with Dr. Quantum's powers be enough to fool them? Straw will look at Dr. Quantum. I can make them see things, but if they have any sort of sensors, it would be difficult for me to fool everyone in the whole fleet. Uh, also, sort of like connected um is there any chances that somebody could have like uh intercepted your signal to the ship the first time because there are like we like the planet's been invaded before and like villains have teamed up with aliens before i i would have no immediate way of knowing that it's possible perhaps that's something we should keep in mind as we move forward well wouldn't wouldn't even villains want to stop this i mean if the planet's destroyed they're also destroyed. Well, here, here's the thing. Like, 
the villains wouldn't want wouldn't want the plant destroyed. But from the sounds of it, uh, Strauss Ken don't really destroy planets because they want the shiny trophy that's left over from uh, conquering them. And like, I don't personally think this, but like conquering folk view residents as resources. And if they have folk here that are willing to take other folk like them and use them as a resource, they might get put into a position of power. They might be subject to Straw's folk, but they would still have power within the planet, so they might want to line up with that. The other issue is, is that if Juno can erase our planet's position from Zrel records uh, and censors, that's one thing, but it doesn't stop any of the individual Zrelians that are here and have seen the planet. Um, not to mention the Ascendant herself, who knows I was sent here from knowing its existence. Earth, while it is a small place in intergalactic society, is known to other worlds and has been for a few decades now. That may seem like only a moment to some alien societies, but it would take a massive amount of coordination to erase Earth from intergalactic knowledge. Could you do, like, a computer virus or something whenever they're in the system that it just kind of messes everything up so they have to leave the system? Maybe. Although I think there might be a simpler solution that we've been overlooking, Straw says with a sigh. Uh Uh-huh. Perhaps if I offer to go back with them willingly in exchange for them leaving the planet alone, that might work. Yeah, but, like, why would we let you effectively sacrifice yourself. It would save the entire planet. Straw, honestly, though, can you say that, like, if you go back and say that you're trying to save it, that uh, Mama Ascendant won't just be like, okay, you decided to come back. Uh, You failed. Somebody else is going to go take it over, and they just tell you that they're going to leave it alone just to get you to go back and take whatever uh, sour grapes you gotta eat. I don't know. And admittedly, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm not necessarily the strongest subscriber of the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Like, you're my friend. I don't want to watch you sacrifice yourself. They already know, and even with what we've told them, they still want to at least research the planet. I don't think you going back would change that. Not even as a condition of my return i would have hoped that they would respect me as a prince of their society to adhere to my wishes in that regard in exchange for my return but they haven't been doing that thus far yeah i feel like mr the hand uh, is a pretty good example that some people don't necessarily think your title carries uh, any weight no and if they wanted you back they would take you by force and they would lose that fight Thanks, because I really don't want to go back. (laughs) (laughs) But I just wanted to throw it out on the table. What I'm hearing so far is that we have no viable solutions to this. (laughs) And you know, TLDR, we're fucked. (laughs) I wouldn't say we're necessarily fucked. There is an option, but it's like not necessarily the greatest because then we have to directly interact with a villain. Uh, it It is rapidly approaching the time, which is also out of character that I do want to wrap this scene up. Um, 
So you don't know like the exact like second they're going to land down, but you do need at least in if this was a chess game, at least an opening move uh, relatively quickly. Yeah, we could probably just meet the boarding party. I mean, they might be uh, they might be prepared, but I mean, baffling people with bullshit tends to work out pretty well if they're not expecting it. Yeah, I think they would not be expecting the offer of a meeting for a surrender. I think that might be our best opening play. What if I bet my return and their invasion on a game of Halo? Stra, I've seen you playing folk online. I've seen you play me. I ain't saying you ain't good, but I'm also saying why Why in anyone's right mind, if they've never played a game, would they agree to play a game against someone? Swords only on Guardian. No, swords and sticky bombs on Guardian. I mean, I'm, I ain't opposed to the idea of an honor duel, like... If you were to take on the the hand of the comet or the comet tail or whatever the heck his name is in a like in an honor duel, like I ain't opposed to that idea, but like I don't think he'd pick Halo specifically. We don't need to challenge them at all. There's no need to guarantee combat when we do not have to. We'll go and we'll meet them. If things go wrong, we can retreat back to the ship. We know we can access their systems remotely. If we must, we can do that. One question. Stra, if they're looking, well, for me, will they be able to find me once they land? Should I, should I be there? I don't actually know what their capabilities are in terms of sensing this sort of phenomenon. Um, I wasn't really the science type. Well, we'd know that from looking at the records, wouldn't we? I guess. Maybe. Fiona? <laughs> <laughs> um, you... So, okay, let's establish some things here. In your time on Earth, um, Prism has definitely until recently seen your companions as, like, basically your servants or, like, people that you're, like, conquering. Um, mm -hmm. Is she sending that information to the Zral Ascendancy? Or at least, like, these are the people who are living here? Or had she in the past? No, uh, Straw was basically uh, forbidding her from sending any information to the Zarl Ascendancy. Okay. So unless she was doing it without Straw's knowledge, which is theoretically possible given how she was acting in the end. Yeah. So I, th I, I, I think that what can, we can establish here is that she was sending reports that basically said a lot of nothing. The Zarl Ascendancy... Her being their AI, we're very likely able to remotely take information. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they were, like, watching you on the ship the whole time, but just sort of, like, looking at the documents you were looking at. Um, I mean, Prism was collecting information while she was on Earth, regardless of, like, what you were sending with those progress reports. Does that seem correct? Yeah, that, that sounds um, reasonable. Okay. So... <sighs> You would, with also all of that, you would know that a galaxy eater is such a rare phenomenon that they wouldn't have, like, their galaxy eater detectors. Like, that That wouldn't be a thing <laughs> that exists. Um, what they could do 
is look at the info knowing that there's a galaxy eater on earth they can look at the information that's been collected about earth and like make some guesses um so straw is gonna say i don't think they'll have a way of immediately being able to identify who the galaxy eater is bonded with um and that person's location but given enough time they could analyze data and potentially piece something together he just nods. But I can be there and help everyone, still. I don't see why not. Um, we're going to accept the meeting. And what we're going to do, we're going to have Jack, Ez, and Az take Dr. Q. And they're going to be the ones to meet the the Sorrel. Mm. And they're going to have a hologram of uh, Straw. And then Straw and Juno are going to either... Are are we going to try and hack into the ship like directly, or are we going to head back into the with with Prism? I I was on the impression that you guys were hacking directly. Well, anyway, uh, Straw and Juno are going to go off and do that side of of the thing, and then that either works or fails, and then we go from there. Okay. I, and I would like to uh, present myself as the uh, fake Straw because I have a, a specific talent. For misleading, distracting, or tricking folk. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Um, so let's get back into the scene. Um, so Dr. Quantum looks between all of you. Um, we see a panel of, like, each of your reactions as this conversation is going. Um, and then Straw hears something ping on his communicator. When he opens it up, he sees it's a message from Prism saying that the uh, Zrel ships are in orbit and will be landing shortly. What do you guys say to Dr. Quantum? What do you guys do? Do we go there then? Get his ideas any? Uh, look, I look at Straw and say, uh, well, I, I suppose it's time to play dress up then, Straw. Uh, Straw will raise one of his gauntlets and the nanobots will form a node off of the top, which then Straw will take off and kind of like toss it at Jackrabbit and it'll land like on his hoodie and the nanobots kind of spread out across like clinging to the, the fabric of his hoodie and little light nodes light up and projects a mesh over Jackrabbit's vis visage that becomes opaque in the form of straw. I look back at everybody once this happens and say, I am Iron Straw. <laughs> <clears throat> Not bad. I've been listening to you for a long time, Straw, and I think I have your vocal inflections down. <laughs> Why does he talk like Kirk? <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you think we have time to change into our hero costumes first? You guys can have time to change into your hero <laughs> costumes. <laughs> I, I will grant that to you. <laughs> the wonder of the meanwhile panel. Um, so, yeah, we have our meanwhile panel while people can look how they want their characters to look. So between uh between the nanobots and um Dr. Quantum being able to uh project some things into people's minds, you do know that there is still a chance that this is infallible. Like, you know, these are powerful ships. Um but at least to the passerby, it should seem like straw, you think? 
Um, <laughs> so you all are outside of a massive ship that has landed um, in the old, old forests outside of Halcyon City. It's probably knocked down some trees in the process. Um, it looks, well, actually, what, what does the ship look like? Stravix, the real one, not the fake one. um so the the ship itself is kind of um sleek in its design um almost like a um a long like v shape uh where the ends of the v kind of taper off to points um very very uh long and uh it looks smooth but you actually can see upon close uh, examination that the surface kind of ripples on a larger scale um, in the, in the similar way to uh, straws nanotech, but just on a larger scale. So it appears that this ship can kind of like manifest weapons and stuff out of any, any of its surfaces. Yeah. Um, So a door opens that has a ramp uh, because that's how I always imagine spaceships and say, so it, the team is Dr. Quantum, Asbel, Ezra, and Jack described as hologram Stravix, correct? Yes. Okay. So you all make your ascent, and we will cut over to what the other two are doing in a bit. But let's get, get this like kicked off first. Um, does that seem fair to everyone? Good deal. All right. So you make your way through the ship. Um, In some ways, it seems almost familiar just because, I mean, basically all of you live on a Sorel ship. Um, But this ship is different from Straws. It doesn't have that hominess. Um, It's probably quite a bit bigger. And uh, it has more of... Alzrith's uh, personal touch to it more than Stravix's. Um, you are led by um, by what none of you, I guess, would recognize as um, uniformed military scientists. Um, probably to you, they look like pretty intimidating um, Zrel military, but Stravix has probably uh, clued you into who they really are. Uh, some of them may also be just... Um, just troops underneath uh, underneath Alzrith, but they're not the shock troops that were there before. So I think that Stravix would also have seen, well, all of you would have also seen um, some of the ships hovering as the main ship landed. Um, important note there. And you, so you're making your way through the ship and uh, you get into basically like a throne room. Um, sitting there, I th- who was on the call with Alzrith? Were any of you? Just uh, draw. Juno was in the scene. Juno and Straw. Okay. It's clear who Alzrith is. (laughs) 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 He is the one sitting in the big chair. Um, Very typical of like what you would expect to see on like um, the bridge, I guess. Um, His chair is turned towards all of you. Um, He is regarding you. Question. So of Jack... Ezra and Asbel. Who of you are like perceptive to like to like reading someone, I guess. And this doesn't have to be like a mechanical thing, but just sort of like a flavor thing. Like who would be sort of sensitive or receptive to that? I imagine Ezra might be just from his upbringing. And probably also as. Okay. 
I think yeah, I think Jack has an uh, somewhat of a knack for it as well, just for uh, you know knowing how to trick somebody into doing what they need them to do. Okay. Or how to push buttons. So you guys probably notice it's like it's almost like a blink and you'll miss it when you get in and you're facing Alzrith before anyone even says anything. Doctor Quantum like almost flinches, like you see his like. I kind of twitch for a second, um, but he remains in his composure. Uh, it might even be that you like question if you really saw it or not. Um, but Alzrith sees all of you, and he looks straight to Jackrabbit, and he says, uh, War Prince, now that you are here, why don't you give me your report in person on the Galaxy Eater? Certainly. The Galaxy Eater in what I have been able to find is a very unstable uh, being of cosmic importance, and any perceived threat to the Galaxy Eater's host could potentially cause an uprising that would be catastrophic not only to the immediate vicinity of the planet that it is on, but within mere hours, not just hours measured by the Zarel and other galactic entities, but within Earth hours as well, will, would quickly subsume any and every cosmic entity it would come across. It is not something that is to be trifled with, and quite honestly, in my opinion of what I have been able to learn of this being, even this invasion puts us on the precipice of danger and I feel it would be best for you to leave while I continue to try to find a method to contain it so that the Zarel could claim this planet in a manner that keeps everyone safe. Um, that was a very good Nick impression. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alzrith, the hand of the comet, will I you. Um, you're not really sure what he's looking for, but he does like eye you as you're talking. And so then he will say, very well. And uh, who is your company that's with you? Are, is, are these people that are linked to the Galaxy Eater? Are they the host? Are they people you have conquered? These individuals are those who believe that the Zarel can lead to their planet having a better form of life. From what I have learned... The entities on this planet, not even counting the Galaxy Eater, are innumerable in strength, and they are a threat that should not be trifled with lightly. Any attempt could cause a severe loss on both sides, but these individuals happen to believe that the Zarel could bring in a stability, and they have sided uh, along with me and the promise of peace under Zarel rule, specifically my stewardship of this planet. And they are assisting me in my research into the Galaxy Eater, as well as finding other potential allies for us in uh, the acquisition of this planet. However, as I've said, the individuals here, not only superpowered, but those who hold positions of authority within this planet 
are very strong-willed and strong-minded and will make no attempted invasion an easy process for anyone. From my assessment, there is a massive potential of casualty on both sides and not one that is an insignificant concern to the Zorel in their attempts to acquire uh, this location within the galaxy. Now, as I told you in our communications before you so rudely have taken me away from my research and my work, that you did not need to come to this planet, that I would provide a report when it was completed and ready and thoroughly prepared to give the Zarel their information on how best to approach the conquest and acquisition of this planet. Now, I would like to get back to my research and keep as much of the Zarel ascendancy safe as possible, and if you would do me the kindness, hand of the comet, of taking this contingent and leaving so that we do not risk agitating the Galaxy Eater further, I would truly appreciate that show of respect to me as an individual within the Zarel Ascendancy, as well as my rank. You're all fired, Cliff's playing all your characters now. now. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, Alzrith will say, um, you have such a fire in you, War Prince, but I think that you should be aware of your rank and your abilities in this situation. And on that vaguely ambiguous note, I'm going to switch over to see what um, <laughs> what uh, Straw and Juno are doing. So I'm just worried that Jackrabbit won't be able to capture my sophisticated way of speaking i know i know it's really complex and uh you know i'm just i'm just worried he's not going to be able to do it i mean this in the nicest way possible we have bigger things to worry about yeah yeah you're right you're right (laughs) (laughs) um i think this conversation is happening as they're like approaching the ship from like the other side yeah um and uh, Straw will say, like, oh, hold on. And uh, his features actually change um, to resemble a different uh, individual of Zarelian descent, uh, a different uh, Zarelian. And uh, his uniform shifts as well. Um, similar in make, um, but one with, like, different insignia and stuff on it. And then he's going to do the same thing he did for Jackrabbit. Um, but it's going to make Juno look like a um, female Zrelian warrior in heavy combat armor. So, so uh, you can explain the clang, clang, clang. Yes. <laughs> account for my girth. And uh, Straw will say, I made us look like special tactical forces. It's It'll allow us to get past most questions as most uh, that wear our insignia... Um, are doing classified operations. Does it look as if you are my superior? Uh, no, actually, it looks as if you're mine. Uh, I think the other way around may be more beneficial so that you may speak for me. That's probably smarter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, he just said, uh, he, as like he um, adjusts on his bracer and his insignia changes and so does the the painted insignia on the the battle armor of juno and he, he just kind of shrugs i'm like i don't know it felt better the other way around <laughs> shut up 
Do you know where we will be going on the ship? I would imagine we would need to um, access the the ship's central AI. Of course. Would it be in the same place as Prism is on yours? Roughly, although this is a much greater ship. um, It will, unless they've made any modular modifications to the ship, which is theoretically possible, um, uh, though I don't know what would prompt such a thing, um, it should be located in roughly the same place. Okay. I understand. I'll be relying on you to show me the way. And then they go. (laughs) So basically Straw has like strategically made him and Juno look like like special operations forces that while Mm -hmm. might not be expected to be seen here, like other at least lower rankings Zrel understand that like we probably have some secret mission. Yeah, you don't want to like. Yeah, Yeah. so you're doing like you're high enough up that like the underlings don't want to like question like why are you there? Show me your credentials, right? Right, and that may not work for like higher officers or the hand himself because he would know if there's like a special forces. But you're just yeah, you're just trying to like move through the ship. Okay. All right. Um. So where are you headed in the ship? Um. I think we're gonna head, uh, to the ship central AI. Okay. Um, As you guys make your way through the ship, you do get some, like, double takes. Um, You guys are able to, like, get onto the ship. Um, Mm -hmm. The the guards who are, like, there immediately sort of, like, snap at attention and maybe do a double take, but they, like, do let you pass. Um, You see others, others, Ral, running around. Um, doing various things. Um, the ship central AI is probably in the opposite direction of where everyone else went. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you enter onto the ship and start to make your way there. Um, the ship's AI being a sort of important thing, uh, I, I think that you would stop getting to the underlings and eventually get to uh, someone that would present a real challenge though to get past. So there probably are, as you're going through heading towards the central AI, some um, higher ranking military scientists there um, who like see you pass and like almost like don't pay you any mind, but like do a double take. And um, what what are you saying that your ranking is? Or, like, what would the implication of your ranking be from, like, your uniforms? Uh, so, it was my thought that I actually, we we would actually exist outside of the normal chain of command uh, because of being, like, special special forces. Okay. Like um, specters in Mass Effect. Yeah, 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 basically. So, it would be, like, one of those things that there's, like, a high chance that even if we would technically be outranked, um, it's plausible that the person outranking us is just simply not informed. So, there's, like, a high... Uh, potential for that well i don't want to look stupid by asking questions sort of deal um that was like kind of what i was going for but it doesn't mean that somebody won't eventually stop stop us so you you do get pretty far Mm -hmm. um but there are people on the ship who would be like what is what is this um it doesn't mean you can't lie Mm -hmm. um but as you're passing um you do see someone that you might even like recognize 
um, a sort of like important high-ranking uh, military scientist. And uh, this person does a double take and says, special forces? I thought that we called off the shock troops. What are special forces doing here? We're a specialized team investigating a particular isolated threat. I'm afraid the remaining details are classified. And this person um, will regard you kind of curiously and say, um, whose orders are you here under? Certainly that wouldn't be classified. I'm afraid in this particular situation it is. All right. I suppose that they don't always tell us everything. And uh, they do start to walk away. Is there anybody else around or is it just this person? Uh, I mean, there are like other people around. Okay, yeah, never um, probably probably not people like there's like guards and stuff. People like are moving back and forth. Um, now that the ship has landed, like stuff is moving. People are getting things mm-hmm. set up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a person who is just sort of like walking by you in the hallway. Got it. I didn't know if how busy the hallway was. Uh, we continue walking and uh, Straw will kind of say out of the corner of his mouth to Juno um, saying uh, that probably puts a time limit on our operation. That makes sense to me. We'll be as fast as possible. Perhaps implanting data in the system, um, uh, a cover for why we're here might be prudent once we're there. Of course. We keep going. Yeah, uh, you do, in fact, keep going. Um, On a ship like this, what would the guard around the central AI be like? Um, I think, uh, I think that, uh, it's probably not someone of too, too high of a rank. Um, like they're not expecting, you know, to be infiltrated really. So I think they rely more on technological defenses, but they do have like Mm -hmm. one or two like guards of like middling rank here. Okay. Is my thought. Yeah, the guards see you. Uh, sort of like the same thing as everyone else. They sort of give you like a weird like look. Mm-hmm. I also imagine that this the entrance to this is in a little bit more of an isolated location and not like a main thoroughfare where there's a bunch of other people around. Was my right. thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so there's there's a couple there's a couple guards around. There's probably also a door um, that would need some sort of key to open. Um, or some sort of like scanner or something like that so that not just anyone can get in. Now, straw ship being just straw, it didn't have like quite the same defenses, although like it could if straw wanted to enable them. But this is like um, a fairly important ship in the fleet for a fairly important person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so you see uh, you see like probably like two guards um standing by the door they sort of like look at you strangely as you approach but they don't say anything we ap- approach the door all uh, right do you have a plan for like opening the door <laughs> uh well there's uh, there are there still guard did we like get past the guards or are the guards standing like right in front of the door uh, the guards are standing like right next to the door so there's probably like the door there's like a scanner to get in so i'm i, uh-huh. I i'm kind of figuring that they're waiting for you to like mm-hmm. To, like, flash a badge or something and then uh, use that, use, like, a card to, like, open it and going through. Straw is going to say, we request access to the ship's AI in regards to classified mission objectives. Um, For the Zrel Ascendancy, how would this normally work? Would they have given someone, like, a key card? (laughs) That's what I'm sort of imagining is that, like, right now they're wondering why you don't have a key card. Uh, I mean, that's probably valid. (laughs) <laughs> so Straw's plan here is that if we can take care of the guards somehow, um, Juno can probably hack the door. Okay. 
I'm doing so much heavy lifting for you, Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So describe, so, okay, so you go up and say, like, we need access to, um, to the central AI. Yeah. Um, the guards are going to say, uh, under whose authority? Mine. And I punch them in the face. Yes! <laughs> All right, directly engage a threat. <laughs> yes, I was so hoping for that. <laughs> I was basically just <laughs> waiting for the setup for that. <laughs> um, all right, directly engaging a threat. Uh, that's danger. Uh, yeah, that's roll plus danger. I my uh my basic move sheet is buried. Um, okay. Ah, uh, fool! I open that first and foremost. Not bad. Uh, that's 11 minus 1 is 10. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, um, yeah, on a 10 plus, uh, so you're trading blows here. On a 10 plus, you pick two. Uh, resist or avoid their blows. Take something from them. Create an opportunity for your allies. Impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. You can pick two of those. Uh, I think I'm suppressing and surprising, and I'm also thinking I am creating an opportunity for my ally, um, for Juno to either help me take these guards out, knock them unconscious, or something to that effect, or just start hacking the door. Um, Yeah. Whichever. Whichever she Um, would think would like to do. (laughs) Yeah. So um, you punch... The guard who um who sort of like stumbles back and like you know uh falls falls back he wasn't expecting that blow so you've probably at least for the moment incapacitated that guard the other one immediately goes to jump on you but in the process um and they also probably like hit you pretty hard with uh, whatever weapon that they're holding which you should take a condition from sure. um and, but in doing so, have abandoned their post, are focused on straw right now, and the door is able to be hacked, if that is what Juno wishes. Uh, yeah, that seems like... I, I trust straw to be able to fucking scrap with these two dudes for Two a on one, no sweat. <laughs> yeah, and then she'll hold the door open long enough for him to, like, break away and scramble in, and then we'll shut the door. <laughs> and there will be no alarms that go off. Nope. okay um so with juno having done this before i Mm -hmm. don't think that just opening the door would be like i'm I'm not gonna make you make a roll for that um so yeah juno is able to get over there um she what does it look like how does juno do a do a hacker what what are we seeing in this panel uh well I imagine she like crouches down beside the um the panel to where you would s- swipe the door or whatever. And since we were able to interface with Prism like wirelessly through like the nanotech that that Straw gave Juno, uh there's a lot of just sort of like intense staring at the lock. <laughs> <laughs> staring um, contest. Uh, until like the lock will turn turn fuchsia and the door will will open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And she she skips inside and then uh, gestures for for straw to to hurry. Yeah. Uh, straw. What do you what do you do here? Okay. So I think straw straw is 
fighting two guys at once. Um, well, he's fighting one guy right now because he knocked the other guy out. Oh, the other guy just got knocked out. Okay. Yeah. I, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, I'm kind of imagining that Straw, like, punched the guy Sucker who really punched, wasn't yeah. expecting it. And then just, like, he just bopped his head pretty hard. And, uh -huh. like, he's out now. But he <laughs> is in direct combat with the other uh -huh. guy. Got it. So I took Angry um, as the condition. Mm -hmm. um, so Straw is just grappling this guy. And I think um, he is, with the assistance of his nanobots, First and foremost, just trying to like keep him occupied and also break his communication device. Okay. Um. And... So. So okay. So you're trying to let me get your sheet. So are you directly engaging a threat again? I would um, argue that maybe using alien technology here, since I'm trying to like okay. while I'm grappling him, using my nanobots to break his communication device. Okay. Um, which I think the the move is technically described as like if I modify like Earth technology, but yeah, it's I when think you alter it's a like human a natural device. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's it does specifically say alter a human device with alien technology and not alter an alien device with alien technology. So what I'm actually going to do here is just say that you were able to do it because you know this technology and these are like. Okay. You know, these are like formidable foes, but they're not like the biggest badasses that you've ever dealt with. Now, yeah. you are now in a like sort of like Star Wars situation where now they're in like the main control unit and like they've knocked a bunch of people out and they're like, oh, God, what do we do next? Right. Um, <laughs> but, but I will say that you were able to um, break the communicator and mm -hmm. get in if that's what you want to do, if you want to like also knock this person out um i will have you directly engage a threat all right then yeah i'll directly engage a threat okay roll plus danger that's another 11 minus one all right punch um, in face <laughs> so uh, yeah again pick two resist or avoid their blows take something from them create an opportunity for your allies and press surprise or frighten the opposition can i take their consciousness from them <laughs> that was literally my first thought on the first dude <laughs> um yeah i'll let you take something from them uh, their ability to like do something right now okay and what is the other one you want to take uh I'm, I'm sorry, what were the other options? Um, Resist or avoid their blows, create an opportunity for your allies, and press surprise or frighten. So I kind of feel like <laughs> the one that makes the most sense right now is to resist their yeah, blows. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, so how does Straw knock this person out without getting hurt himself? Um, so I think that uh, Straw, like, first he's, like, you know, has him grappled and, like, with a free hand just kind of, like, rips the communication part of the guy's gauntlet off and then like having him grappled straw is going to like step backwards through the door and just like whack the guy's head off of the door frame and push him out, out into the hallway while straw like goes into the room. Okay. Yeah. And I'm kind of imagining that what this looks like in this comic book panel is like, you know, we see the initial punch and then we see a couple panels of like Juno messing with with the with the door while in the background Straw is just like beating the hell out of these people. I, I think it's like a, a, a flailing. It doesn't look graceful. At yeah, all. yeah. <laughs> just like quick, like like get the communicator and then just like knock this dude out. Yeah, and you are both able to uh, get in. Um, if someone comes by, there are two unconscious guards there. 
Zero uh, complications. That, nope, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I like that attitude. That, yeah, that, you... That's a problem for future us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We need to make sure we don't die first. <laughs> Hello, listeners. I am your GM and host, Fiona L.F. Kelly. Welcome to episode seven. Uh, There are two episodes left in this season before we get into our retrospective episode. That's coming up at the end of January. Um, This episode is not another episode in the story. It's entirely out of character. Um, But after our last episode airs, uh, you can send us questions. And uh, when the episode goes up, you can listen to us talk about... uh, what went into making the season? Um, usually on these, we answer questions from listeners and we talk about uh, our inspirations and different interesting things that went into making the season happen. Um, so if you're interested in that sort of thing, again, that's coming up at the end of the month. Uh, we will have a, a recording date for you coming up soon. So keep an eye on socials and to the other episodes to listen uh, for when that will be so that you can get your questions in and uh, we might answer them on the show. And if you like retrospective episodes and you like the ones that we've recorded before, as a reminder, if you support us on Patreon, we, you get an extra 30 minutes of our retrospective episodes. That's always really exciting. And if this is your first Fables episode and you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about, first of all, welcome. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about this podcast. Uh, this podcast focuses on anthology style actual play stories. So basically, we're playing a bunch of tabletop games. Um, each season, we play a new game. We have a rotating cast and new characters and all sorts of good stuff. This season, we're playing Masks, A New Generation by Brandon Conway, and it was published by Magpie Games. We're seven episodes into this story, so if you want to start from the beginning, you can go over to Super Issue 1, New Kids on the Block. Um, if you'd like to give us a follow on socials, check out at Table Fables Pod on Twitter or at Table Fables Podcast on Instagram, or just search Fables Around the Table on your preferred social media, and we will probably be there. Um, If you haven't seen them already, this is where we upload the cover of each issue that's described at the beginning of the episode. Those are all done by uh, Chelsea Rexinger, who plays Juno, and they are all so fabulous. Um, I'm so pleased that we were able to get those out this season. So if you're all caught up on Super so far and you're waiting for the last few episodes to come out, um, why don't you give some of our other seasons a try if you haven't already? It's been super dreary and, you know, warm here in Ohio despite it being January. Uh, So I've been thinking a lot about our game Lost. Lost is our spooky kid-friendly Halloween-themed season. Um, It's about two kids, Odell and Posey, who get lost in the woods on Halloween night, and they must make their way home with the help of their new possum friend, Reggie. Um, Lost uses the incredible game Babes in the Woods 2nd Edition. Uh, This game was made by Adam Vass of World Champ Game Co., and uh, we were actually lucky enough to get a beta version of this game to play on the show because we aligned uh, the season coming out with the Babes in the Woods 2nd Edition Kickstarter. So that was very, very fun to be able to do. It was so cool to like get a peek into the game process and uh, 
It was just a ton of fun overall, and we love all of Adam's games, so be sure to check out World Champ Game Co. Uh, if you get a chance. And uh, if that doesn't sound like your cup of tea, that's okay. Each one of our seasons is different. Uh, we have different genres, different games, different casts, uh, so there's something for everyone. So let's get into our cast credits here. Returning as Dr. Quantum is Garrett Kimmel. Uh, Garrett has been involved with Fables as both a player and a voice guest in their first season he played Alistair Lavelle in Curse and he is also when he's not you know doing podcasting stuff he's the basis for the band Northern Weather and Northern Weather has been blowing up lately so everyone should go listen to them uh, they released two music videos over this past year which you can find on their socials and on YouTube they're both so so very good and they have thousands upon thousands of listens on Spotify they have a new album coming out in January so check them out on your favorite musical listening platform or you can check them out on facebook at northern weather-oh go check them out they're such a good band and so fun to see live all right now let's talk about the rest of our cast uh, these people are all uh, the people who are with us in every episode playing our different characters uh, so to start we have daniel walker and kitty mcclendon who play our otp ezra and azor respectively um, they also played the Malgoths on our second season tainted love and dan was also on curse where he played yet another teenager named jc and there was all sorts of mirror stuff and he was uh it was it was a good time you'll have to listen to it it was a lot of fun next up we have cliff b playing jack rabbit um i usually list off a bunch of different projects that cliff is involved in and you know you, he still is involved in all those things but they are also involved in some secret projects coming up this year um, i'm very excited for those to be announced so this is sort of a watch this space for uh, more information on what Cliff is doing. Uh, Cliff is just an all-around cool and creative person. They have tons of projects, so give him a follow on Twitter at JustEvilDMing or check him out on our Discord or any of those cool things. Chelsea Rexinger plays our favorite robot girl, Juno. Uh, Chelsea has been involved in some capacity with every season of Fables from making most of the art on the show, playing in the games, uh, being guest voices, just doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, uh, she made the covers for this season with some graphic design done by Nick, and uh, she makes most of the art for just about every season of Fables that we do. Uh, she's the art director for Project Derailed and also co-owns Plot Kindling Candles. Head on over to etsy.com slash shop slash Plot Kindling Candles to find a tabletop RPG-inspired candle of your dreams or put in a custom order and get a candle inspired by your character. It makes the perfect winter holiday gift for yourself or others. And our last player is Nick Eurosiva. Uh, Nick plays the Warprince Stravix. Um, I guess that Cliff also played Warprince Stravix this episode, but you know, he plays it most of the time. Uh, Nick has been on many Fable seasons, including Curse, Firelight, Chronicle, and Lost, where he played the aforementioned possum. Uh, Nick is also the DM and showrunner of the Emmy-nominated podcast, Tales of the Voidfarer. This is a 5e Spelljammer-inspired actual play podcast. It is so much fun. You should go listen to Tales of the Voidfarer as well. And like this show, you can check it out wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, I am Fiona L. 
L.F. Kelly. I'm a writer, editor, and podcaster. Um, I'm the showrunner for Fables, so I've been involved in some capacity with every season. And along with Nick, I am the creative head of Project Derailed, Nick being the other creative head. Um, I play Ravenous on Tales of the Voidfair, and I'm the host and showrunner of Big Streaming Pile, which is not an actual play podcast, but it is a podcast that we do sporadically about bad movies on streaming services. Um, It's a ton of fun. You should go listen to it. In addition to podcasting, I do some writing and editing things. Uh, Again, sort of watch this space here and we'll see what comes up. And finally, the last piece of this puzzle in creating this podcast is our creative consultant and composer of our theme song, Tom Goldthwaite. Um, Tom helped me out behind the scenes creating the story and the world for Super and um, he has just overall been such an essential part. Uh, he's also my co-host on Big Streaming Pile. So if you're curious to hear what his hot takes on B-movie are and how it relates to Hegelian dialectic, uh, go listen to our B-movie episode. As always, Fables Around the Table is a podcast produced by Project Derailed. Head on over to projectderailed.com. For more information on all of our shows as well as articles on media and pop culture and some links to cool stuff like our Redbubble store um, and our Patreon and our and our Discord. If you want to interact with us and some other cool people, uh, our Discord is a super fun, awesome place. Uh, we talk about everything from fashion, tabletop RPGs, video games. Wordle has been the latest thing that everyone's gotten super into you can't escape it even on our discord and uh yeah whatever you want to talk about it's uh good fun with good people and again you can find links to all of these on our website so if you want to learn more support the show head on over to projectdebrail.com okay i've dragged this mid-roll out as far as it can go rambling so let's get back to the show Uh, so yeah, you guys get in, and I am going to camera shift back to the monologuing happening in the throne room. <laughs> well, Stra- <laughs> after he comes in, he's breathing heavy, and then he just gives Juno a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, back in the other part of the ship, um, uh, Jackrabbit as Stravix is doing a really <laughs> Stravix impression. <laughs> at this point, um, Asbel has just kind of nervously at some point during this entire situation where Jack is like arguing with Alzareth, Asbel just quietly grabbed Ezra's hand and that's it. He's just Aww. anxiously like standing there. <laughs> Ezra is like being supportive but also just keeping his eyes on the hand of the comet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get back and we see um Alzrith and uh Stravix talking to each other. Uh Stravix talking a lot more than Alzrith. Um and uh we see in the background that uh Aswell has taken hold of um of Ezra. Sorry, I forgot your name. Has taken a hold of, El- of Ezra's hand. Um interestingly, what happens is there's been um there's been just like we're we're gonna say that only like a couple a couple minutes have passed where you guys have said uh pretty similar things um so there's a um Zrel scientist who walks into the room um you have seen those Zrel scientists carrying alien technology 
This one is carrying a stack of manila folders with papers in them. That seems really, really yeah. uh, not on par for them. <laughs> yeah. So this, you know, this Israel uh, scientist comes in and uh, hands it to um, Alzreth. Yeah, Alzreth. I'm going to write this down just on my page so I, have to, so I don't have to keep flipping back. It's a good, good Yankee <laughs> name. Alzreth. It is a good Githyanki name. This the scientist whispers something in Alstra's ear as he um, hands him the folders filled with papers. Alstra's is looking through these. This he has opened one of the the top Manila folder and sort of shifting through the papers, and he looks at all of you and he's kind of like looking down at the papers, looking back at all of you, and he looks at air quotes, War Prince Stravix, and he says, where are the ones that you call Jackrabbit, Blazar, and Juno? They're simply following the orders that I've given them and attempting to continue to grow the factions that are the Zrel Ascendancy, as well as researching the Galaxy Eater problem. Uh, Juno is very skilled and quite exceptional at research and collating information to be taken into a digestible form, so that way even those who might not be versed in the science can understand uh, the information that is being presented. Uh, Asbel is a, currently a high school student, and one of the trends that I have noticed on this planet during my time here is the youth tend to move a lot of social movements and using that information we are slowly trying to seed that the earth governments are not able to do their job and we need a force with much more galactic importance in in charge of all of these humans that live on this planet a jackrabbit i will freely admit is a wild card but he's the type of individual that I choose to keep close rather than push away because of their unpredictable nature. Uh, right now, uh, they typically have a habit of doing things that ingratiate themselves within the community, uh, which I do not stop them from doing because I feel that uh, given their being on our side in this and all of the good that they provide within the community, such as making deliveries and such for those who are unable to make them themselves, that will s signify to the people that they provide aid to that if they're doing this and are speaking positively about this Zrel Ascendancy, that the people they aid should be more willing to join with us once it is time to uh, enact the plan of conquest. Um, and, uh, he says, and what are their locations? Jackrabbit is a speedster. It would be challenging for even the <laughs> most strategically minded, uh, individual within the Zarel Ascendancy to, at any given moment, pinpoint their location. It changes quite rapidly. Uh, right now, they are somewhere within the city, uh, as far as Asbel and... Juno, their locations can change as the needs take them. Uh, the last that I was aware is that uh, Asbel was involved with some extracurricular activity, again, ingratiating themselves within the youth who do spread 
the most culture within uh, the communities as well as social causes. And Juno could be at one of many different locations doing research on the Galaxy Eater. I give them freedom because I trust that when I ask them to accomplish a task, they do not need babysat to accomplish that task and require constant badgering for it to be completed. Man, Straw's going to have to have, like, Jackrabbit take all of his phone calls with his mom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You do it. You're better at it. (laughs) With this scene here, is the plan to mostly just distract and run everyone in circles? Or is there information that you want to um, get across or any sort of moves you want to make? Both are valid choices. I just want to, in terms of pacing, know which one we're going for. I feel like for Jack, his plan right now is to just try and keep uh, Comet off balance and like might like keeping him thinking he's got the upper hand, but Mm -hmm. also throwing in the barbs that uh, he's kind of intuited that uh, Straw would throw in while still maintaining that, you know, the very southern uh, bless his heart kind of uh, respect given. and But when it comes down to it, if things get dire, we'll hit that negotiation mode that we talked okay. about. Okay. Uh, what about the others in this scene? Asbol is actually going to... Let me mark my doom track again. I filled it up. <laughs> I'm going to use infinite powers again to use the emotion control. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of want to try to make, at the very least, Alzareth, but like all of the Zrel in the room, mm-hmm. more agreeable and persuadable, if that makes sense, okay. to what Fake Straw is saying. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you see them um, almost imperceptibly, like, relax a little bit. Uh, they're such, like, a rigid militaristic people that like the change is small but noticeable so as he's uh, uh talking about um as he's talking to um stravix he's like uh all right very well um we will make a note of that now the city council uh it, it, what can you tell me about your interactions with them it seems that they are Um, quite powerful within the city. They are very powerful in that they are the lawmaking body. But in addition to that, they do also have with them uh, a number of superpowered individuals, as this city in particular, but across this planet, does engage in a form of blind devotion and hero worship into those that they see as superpowered individuals. And... I feel that that will be a challenge to overcome, but I believe in showing the superior skill of the Zarel Ascendancy that when we are ready to make a move and it is the most advantageous to the Ascendancy, that we would be able to convince those that vote these individuals in to switch their allegiances to us. This is part of the reason why it has taken so much time. My plan 
is an unorthodox one for certain with compared to the proud history of the Zarell ascendancy. But my belief is that in the times that we are approaching, the Zarell would do much better in our conquests being of the hearts and minds of the individuals that reside on the planets that we claim, as opposed to fear and bloodshed. As you can see by the individuals that I have accompanied with me and that I am trusting with tasks within the planet itself, it is a much stronger devotion and a much better arrangement to have their hearts on your side than they live in fear. As we have seen on countless planets within the Ascendancy, so many uprisings need to be taken care of after conquests that just cost more Zarel blood. And I believe, and you can see that these Earthlings here, they agree with me, that if we can show them a better way, that we truly are the superior species that we claim to be, that we can lead them to a newfound promise and take the technologies that they've developed here through trust and the belief that we can enrich everyone and we can increase their we can increase everyone's stock within the galaxy and the universe there are incredible innovations that they have made on this planet and even the simplest simulation within a uh, entertainment establishment can bring in new insights that you would not anticipate them this planet and I'm sure that there are hundreds, thousands more like it throughout the galaxies. This planet has, the people here have a spark. They have a, a vibrance to the things that they have. And this is why my reports have been lacking. Because I have been seeking to understand that spark and to harness it for the Zorel Ascendancy. Now, I will be more than happy to continue to resume the regular updates if you can see that this devotion that i have in the individuals behind me is far stronger than any fear that we have traditionally used in the conquests that we have taken to make the zarell ascendancy better here here's my question does jackrabbit believe that does jackrabbit believe what he said just jackrabbit believes that in a philosophical sense in a philosophical sense it is always better to have the hearts and minds of the people you trust on your side than try and control them with fear. Okay. Jack Rabbit says, fuck Machiavelli. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, so you see, um, thanks to um, Asbel's powers, you see that the Zrel are intrigued by what you are saying here. Um, you, looked o- you look over to Dr. Quantum and what's interesting he's also regarding you with a very interesting look on his face so before we switch over again ezra what what are your plans in this scene just on a sort of meta level uh if just because ezra's probably not perceptive enough to like notice the the visible like relaxation that they've been showing even because it's so minute uh that if they were to like push the question further ezra was going to be like here are examples. We've already undermined the authority of the council and have actually gotten rewarded for it by being, like, let off the leash. We got a rather well-known hero 
into our ranks simply by interacting with him and letting Straw take the lead on that. Uh, and then if things like do go a little more, maybe like reveal some information I don't necessarily want to, uh, or just like he's like you know agreeable and receptive to diplomacy, uh, and that's like a great point to kick somebody in the throat. Keep that energy in mind. We are going to switch back to uh, Straw and Juno. They are in the central AI. What are they doing? Um, I would imagine they're doing they're they're hacking the mainframe. Hacking the mainframe. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure Juno would have asked which of these. I'm sure there are like a bunch of different systems in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one would be the the most important one to get inside and and diddle the wires of? Yeah, yeah. Straw Straw will point Juno in the right direction, and then like using his nanotech, like help her interface with the the Zarel technology. And while they're they're futzing around with that, uh, Juno's gonna ask Straw, "Are you all right?" Um, Straw is still like breathing a little heavy, and uh, he has kind of like a stony expression on his face. Um, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm, I'm fine." Uh, thank you for taking care of them. Um, he's he's just gonna uh, nod and say, um, "Of course." Uh, and then they. Get ready. Um, but Juno doesn't interface right away. She seems uh, hesitant. Uh, and Straw can notice that or not if he wants. <laughs> um, Straw is going to... Um, uh, yeah, Straw is going to notice. Like uh, he, he kind of glances up at Juno and goes, Well, w- what are you waiting for? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm... Um, and she waits for a moment. I'm scared. Um... Straw's like kind of intense uh, uh, expression kind of softens slightly. Um, he he t- seemed to be kind of like amped up from from the fight, uh, and uh, he he says, "What do you what do you have to be afraid of? What what if I can't do this? What if I mess this up? And what if I'm the reason that the Earth gets taken over or blown up? Or or what if I'm the reason that they find out what you've done and you get hurt? I." I don't think any of that really matters right now. Like, it wouldn't be your fault. They there came regardless. Be, if anyone's fault, it'd be mine. Yeah, but it's my job to stop them. It's all of our jobs to stop them. He's uh he's gonna put a hand on her shoulder and say, "It's like I said before, one problem at a time. If this doesn't work, then we'll find another solution." Well. Will you protect me while I'm in there? Of course. Uh, she smiles and she says, um, thank you, Straw. Anytime. And when uh, all of this is taken care of, maybe we can go to the arcade or something sometime. <laughs> if you want. Or, or not. It. <laughs> yeah, Straw, I, I think I'd like that. Or it doesn't need to be the arcade. I mean, oh, you said you would like it. Okay. Uh, sorry, I was. I don't know why I was excited. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> one problem at a time, right? W- one problem at a time. Ship sailed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, and then let's uh, jack into that that system, there, baby. Hack the mainframe. All right. So I believe that unless you were thinking differently, this would be an unleash your powers again. No. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Roll plus freak, please. 
Um, you do also have a pretty generous team pool right now. Um, yeah. Wow! Okay, so I rolled two fives and I have a plus one to danger, so wow. that's also 11! Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what happens! Yeah, so, um, Juno, Straw can see Juno, um, like, futzing around and trying to get connected to this thing. And once she is, um, her eyes kind of, like, shut off to show that she's, like, not in herself anymore and is, like, in the cloud of the systems and stuff like that. Big threat. The Earth is th- one of the most dangerous places ever to exist, ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she also works on creating a, a bug to, like, overload the systems once they get inside the, the galaxy. And the form that that takes is that it starts overloading all of their system text instead of uh, having it just be readable, um, like, code so that the systems can work. It just replaces it with the full texts of um, the American Revolution. (laughs) (laughs) Hold that! Oh, God. (laughs) What a throwback. (laughs) Um, Since it's a a well-known report that Juno's gotten a lot of times, and it seems very useless to this realm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was there anything else supposed to do while I was in here? Um, Plant a explanation uh, for why there are special forces on the ship. If I may make a suggestion for that, there's a mole on the ship. Just seed some discord in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The two guards in particular that we know. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's an imposter (laughs) among them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Juno uh, creates a report that's from not, probably not the, the hammer, the fist, the, the, the punch, hand, whoever's the on the hand, ship. The hand of the, the hand. <laughs> uh, not, not him, but probably somebody like one or two steps below him has, has sent the special forces here. Um, and that they are investigating uh, the two guards that were outside for suspicions or for suspicious activity, including modifying the AI systems. Ooh, spicy. Um. And Juno also creates, like, an easy backdoor to get in in case we need to manipulate systems mm. from, from Prism. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, question for Juno. Just sort I'm of Juno. a Just sort of a, a flavor question. Um, what do we see in these panels as Juno is doing it? What, what does Juno see as she's going through this? What does she look like? What does she feel like? So I imagine for Juno, it's this very, like, weird experience of of being kind of like a VR version of herself. And mm-hmm. she's kind of, like, in a 3D space moving through uh, these, these um, like, tech fields. I imagine it's sort of like there's a bunch of, like, floating windows and stuff that she can kind of swim through and modify as, as she, she approaches them. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of able to tap into the system so she can see, like, what cameras are, are moving. There's, like, different windows popping up with security cams. Um, and there's, like, floating text that's that's constantly going through as messages are getting sent and received. Is that a good enough ex- uh, description? Can I make a, a, a little uh, cool narrative uh, addition? If we don't like it, we can cut it. 
Sure. So I think while you're sifting through all of the, like, so you have to, like, find the places to plant, like, the data we're trying to plant. So you're kind of, like, sifting through a bunch of, like, the Zrelian Empire's, like, data. And I think while you're going through there, you actually find Straw's file Mm -hmm. that includes records for his entire, like, upbringing from, like, him basically being trained from infancy to be like a military conqueror warrior trained to be a leader and all of this stuff and never once during his entire life having the opportunity to find a path for himself um and i think you see all of those records including like training files and stuff like that are you saying she's seeing her baby pictures? <laughs> ba- yeah, baby pictures. Yeah. We, make, Fucking... we make a copy of that and take it with us. <laughs> Zrel indoctrination must be shit if it took like an arcade and Dr. Pib to break it over the course of a year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the chemical compound in Dr. Pib. Took the power of friendship. Yes. And Dr. Pib. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what we do, if that is okay with you, uh, GM Fiona. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, Juno also notices something in her uh, VR situ- si- simulation as her, she sees her like hands floating around. Are they robot hands or like people hands? How, do, how does Juno like see herself? Ooh. Does she see herself as a person or as a robot? Uh, she definitely sees herself as a robot. So she's got her big, big honking robot hands. Okay. Yeah, um, she sees a file that um, is continually being updated. It sort of like um, catches her attention because it's uh, one of the most recent ones. It's being updated uh, pretty regularly um, because she has access to all of these as it sort of like downloads in her brain. But I'm imagining for the purposes of our comic book, it's almost like she like reaches out and like takes it and reads it. Um she sees that this is not all of the Zral. So you guys were correct that the uh, Zral scientists were the only ones coming. Um, but there is a small faction that has made it into the field and they are taking some basic hostages. Um, not supers right now, um, but you do recognize uh, a couple names. Um, you recognize um, some human members of the city council, um, including Mr. Buzzness, and you also <laughs> see your parents and the parents of the other people on your team. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> you are, yeah, you are seeing like updates that these are being um, like, ex- not that they are being executed, but th- that the plans are being executed to take these people uh, hostage, and they are at different progress bars, basically. Uh, cool. I make a copy of that. Am I allowed to have an updating copy, or can it only be of what it is currently at? You rolled an 11. I'll give you an updated copy. Okay. <laughs> I take a copy of that, too. <laughs> okay. Um, so that is happening. Um, does Juno pull out of the system? Um, I think that's everything we wanted to accomplish. So we're pev- pivoting to a, a mass murder now, right? <laughs> uh, well, hopefully not. I mean, I mean, it's fine. There's no rules for ca- like any death in this game because there's not parents aren't people. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just because all of you built people who either don't have parents or have stressed relationships does not mean I have to suffer for it. <laughs> Let me have my cool mom. 
Um, I would like to think that your when your mom got kidnapped, she was just like, oh, no, whatever will I do? <laughs> oh, no, my queen. <laughs> poor, poor little old me without any superpowers. <laughs> I feel like Buzz Ness is going to be the first one to sell out Earth. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold on. You're here to conquer the planet while well, I'm in the business of selling out the planet so there is a great great <laughs> business opportunity in front of us if you can offer me one dollar you do i bet i can help you out sir <laughs> unlike other supervillains, i don't want all the money just some of it <laughs> have we have have has the zrell ascendancy learned of bitcoin yet let me introduce you <laughs> let me talk to you about the blockchain <laughs> It's 2007. <laughs> the Zrel Ascendancy invented blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Bitcoin is actively not a thing yet. <laughs> no. That was 2011. Uh. <laughs> so moving back upstairs. Um, where we left off last time is still basically where we are. That, uh, that the hand of the comet, Alzrith, is looking like for what you can imagine is the only time sort of like this kid knows like some interesting stuff in, in relation to uh, what Straw is saying. Um, he uh, seems through the, through the aid of um, Asbel's powers, he seems to be uh, more susceptible to what Straw is saying, thinking it's not such a bad idea. And uh, he says, I think that's an, the, that is interesting data that you've collected war prints. Um, if I may, why don't I rope you into to the next phase of our plan? Well, of course, I would like to be kept aware of the plan that I am supposed to be uh, at the forefront of, as conquering Earth was tasked to me. Yes, but ultimately, it is the Ascendant's decision what happens on your mission. But I think that I can use my judgment here to say that you have more interesting perspective and more useful perspective than what we had previously thought. Ow. Um, <laughs> get fucked. <laughs> um, would you like to join me in the war room? I will be happy to join you in the war room. However, I do require that my lieutenants that are the direct hand of exacting my plans, which are the plans of for the Ascendancy upon the planet, to join as well. It is my prerogative that the multiple perspectives and understandings that they can provide are the key to achieving victory within conquering the hearts and minds, as I have said, of the individuals on the planet. Um, he almost looks like, um, he's like slightly skeptical of bringing, uh, you know, bringing your subordinates in, but then, you know, the magic of what Asbel is doing softens him and he's like, yes, of course, if that is what you wish, then I suppose I do not think it will be a problem. If any of them act up, we can quickly neutralize them. 
Um, and he starts to lead you to the war room. Um, Dr. Quantum looks slightly apprehensive, but you all are led into the war room. Um, you see military scientists uh, looking at projections of um, of galaxies and like going through files that you can't read because they are in Zrelian. Um So uh, he comes up and he pulls up a hologram of the plans. Uh, Jackrabbit, you do not read Zerellian. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's okay because he's going to explain out loud uh, what he's doing. He's, uh, he says, um, we had, before your last report, we had uh, noticed from what your, the data that your prism was collecting on Earth, the importance of the city council in this location. The city seems to be the most fortified and the most advanced on this planet. Um, so we knew quickly that when we got here, what we needed to do was to investigate the council. Now, it appears that this council is a mixture of supers and uh, average humans. We, we have been collecting some of these humans, um, one in particular who I believe his name is a Mr. Buzz Ness, has provided us with interesting information. We think that he may be valuable to any sort of conquering or any sort of leadership that you will do if that is what the Ascendant wants. I think that there is a beat where Fake Straw doesn't necessarily speak. Um, I don't know how much of the emotion picks up, but there's a bit of a taken abackness on the jackrabbit feels. But I think I recover quickly and say, Hand of the Comet, while I do not disbelieve that there is a great amount of information that this uh, Buzzness has provided, it is of my opinion that he is not one to be trusted. From my interactions that I have had, Though limited thus far with the council, he seems to be one who will, as the humans I've inter interacted will put it, will sell his mother down the river if it provides him with any advantage. And I do not trust that should the pendulum swing the way of Earth maintaining its galactic independence, that he would not sell out the Zarel. Um, Alzareth nods and he says, yes, we can always neutralize him if he gets out of hand. We have been, uh, collecting the information that he provided to us. I'm sure that we can cross-reference it with your prism. Um, he has, uh, provided interesting information on the families of those he has been tracking, particularly through the, and he, like, looks at his, uh, files, the Young Heroes program. As I mentioned before, Jackrabbit has often been... One that is uh, more unpredictable, and as I said, keep around because of the oftentimes to the Zarel uh, fickle and unpredictable nature of humanity. He has on occasion made mention that he felt that that would be something that the government could potentially do, and some nonsense about the laws they have being very awkward in regards of consent for the young heroes it so this seems like information that would track it feels like 
Jackrabbit is justified, and thus my wisdom of keeping him around justified. Um, he nods and he says, um, yes, I, I'm sure that is the case. Uh, we have gone through and we have started collecting the families and some of the lesser powered heroes um, to make our eventual takeover easier. And uh, you probably hear all of you in your heads, Dr. Quantum, just say, I'm sorry. Hand of the Comet, I feel that this is intensely counterintuitive to the goals that I have outlined from you. This is simply a move that, for those who were not already willing to sell out the planet at their own potential gain, will only sway the opinion against us and force into a gridlock that will inevitably cause bloodshed on both sides, which is what I've been trying to avoid. What do you suggest, Warprince? I feel that we may need to make a very fast pivot, as the Earthlings would say, in that we release these individuals. We apologize and let them know that we merely wished to understand our galactic neighbors in a better sense, and our methods may at first seem intimidating, but we meant no harm. I feel that those who have been agreeable to our methods so far, we should keep tabs on, and especially this buzzness that we should have a point of contact arranged so that way we can keep the Zarel Ascendancy informed of the information he has. As you have said, he very well may pr produce useful and confirmable information, but any that wish to aid us, we should have as a point of contact with those of the Ascendancy that maintain an Earth location, but also those who may be more afraid of the methods that we have employed thus far. We must move to make amenable the situation that they have been placed in. If I may, given that you uh, have taken his advice and have begun rounding up the families of young heroes, uh, it also might be a better show of uh, peace and the willingness to work with mankind on the Zarela Ascendancy's part to uh, keep Buzzness in, uh, in your hold, so to speak. Uh, there are other bits of information that you can garner from him. Selling out families of not even adult heroes means that he is willing to give out information, but children are the cornerstone of many of humanity's endeavors, so just getting information out of him that isn't in regards to that might be beneficial because it shows that A, you are apologizing for actions that you have been taken, and also it punishes him for thinking that that is an acceptable thing to do. I'm sure this Ascendancy has wonderful torture methods for extracting information. You would be correct in that assumption. <laughs> so, I, I believe at this point we've, like, caught up in terms of time with both, uh, with both groups. Um, upon learning that, when does Juno tell Straw about what they're doing, gathering people, like, taking hostages. Uh, like, as soon as she's out, she she grabs a hold of him and is like, they're they're taking people. We have to go. Strahd nods, and uh, they go. 
Yeah, and Gino would know from what this is that this was, like, not like there were, like, a bunch of, like, secret ships that, like, showed up and gathered people. Um, They're specifically targeting humans, like, and just normal people, people that they think is, like, a fairly low threat. Um, So it was basically just, like, some people. Yeah. Um, So where are they going? Uh, Just, I imagine, back to Straw's ship to wait for the others. Okay. Unless that's a dumb idea. <laughs> um, we are approaching a button here mm-hmm. um, for the episode. So I just want mm-hmm. to know like where people are. If we end with you guys separated, that's fine. Um, but I want to know where everyone is at right now. Right. Um, I think going to the ship is fine unless we have any reason to think joining our friends sooner is advantageous in any way and not a terrible idea. <laughs> right. Which, yeah. So I, I guess the other big piece of information I think both Juno and Straw need in addition to the others is, do we notice anything about the ship or its inhabitants after Juno finishes her thing? Like, do they react in any way? Yeah. So I, I think that as you are making your way out, there's some like double takes of the readings. Um, You also uh have, you know, modified the ship at a time where they were getting a bunch of new information anyway. I have a question for Juno. I'm Juno. When you were editing the information, how did you make it look like it came? Because, like, I imagine that they would have, like, record of the previous levels of threat of Earth and everything. Like, was it just Mm -hmm. a retroactive across the board, or did you make it, like, look like it came from prism and a new update or how did you like look like that transmission came in uh well since she was like in like a vr space and could see other things updating at the same time she would have tried to replicate that okay so it would have been a a a new update to status levels yeah so it's basically like as they're importing things into the excel sheet you've like um, modified the formulas so that the numbers are coming out just like not what they would actually be. Is that right. correct? Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you do see some of this rail start to look a little like worried as they're going through and, um, and you know, like inputting, like, you know, scanning in the, the files and, and playing them through the text reader. Now, um, as they're inputting <laughs> in, like, all the new information and these readings are coming back that, like, Earth is, like, pretty dangerous. And yeah, so you guys are exiting the ship, correct? Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah, you do, in fact, notice that. Um upstairs uh while you all are talking um Ezra has just said about children being the um cornerstone of um of like earth basically that this would you know be a bad move just sort of backing up what everyone else is saying um in rushes one of the scientists into the war room who says um uh who says um hand of the comet we have just we've been getting bizarre readings with this new information that we've gotten uh, here. And he pulls up um, a hologram that you see, you guys can't read it, but it is red now. <laughs> you can sort of like, it's you can the sort bad of tell. color now. It's the, it's whatever the bad color for the Zarela Ascendancy is. Um, Hot pink. <laughs> 
hot pink. It's also fuchsia. It's yeah, just yeah. Juno's color. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you see some, yeah, you probably do see some fuchsia and uh, you see some like red. Um, they're going through the readings and, and they're like, this planet, it, it may be much more dangerous than we had anticipated. The The files that this person was collecting have made our systems just, this seems to be one of the most dangerous planets we've encountered. I, hearing this, I, like, look at my wrist where, like, the data is, and I, like, just hit a couple buttons on it and say, oh, it seems that Prism has sent a recent update on the collated information on the heroes of the planet, further corroborating the information that I've been trying to tell all of you that it is a very difficult thing to ascertain the power level of the individuals on this planet, given that powers can vary in wild natures as well as factoring in the nation's own all the nation's own military power and strategy given how secretive they keep it to their chests um alzreth looks through the new information and uh he says um get me the ascendant she'll want to see this the uh the hologram that was um in the middle of the room that was showing a map of um, Halcyon City, probably with some um, different colored dots moving towards it, clears away, as do a lot of the other holograms in the room. And um, and uh, a hologram then pops up um, after being called, and it is um, Mrs. Straw's mom, <laughs> the ascendant of the Zrel, <laughs> the Zrel ascendant. And I think that's where we'll end it for now. I think the last Yay. page is just me trying to do, like, the salute that uh, Straw taught me between the meanwhile panels, just to, mm -hmm. like, if you need this, this is what you need to do. <laughs> you guys yeah. just parent trap Dr. Quantum and Straw's mom. I told you. <laughs> I told you this. I want to start with Jackrabbit talked probably more than anyone this session. Let's start with Ooh, Jackrabbit. Uh, Jack grow, grow closer team into your image of yourself or away from the team. Jack Jackrabbit grew into his own image by being another person. He is <laughs> Jack. Straw. He has been holding himself back from his instinct, which is punch everything. Uh, I think I am because of that. I'm going to bump my superior up because, like, yeah, I I am doing everything that I need to do. I'm so smart. I am a better <laughs> straw than straw. <laughs> <laughs> and despite the inherent danger of this, I feel like I'm succeeding with the help of my friends. So I'm going to drop my danger. And I think this is the first session where I have not grown closer to the team. Wow. Hey. Haven't grown away, but... There's still two more sessions for that to happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so next up, let's go to Juno. I'm Juno. So I think I am also growing into myself. Uh, just because I think... If I choose grow closer to the team, the two people I think I would have, I already have, in, or already have influence over me. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm growing into my image of myself because I I did the leader thing and I was able to do computer stuff, and that seems like it makes sense to me. Yeah. So shift labels. Um. <laughs> I think that I will shift my freak up and my mundane down. All right. Um. Let's go to Asbel next. I think Asbel is also growing into his own image of himself. Um. In that. Uh, not necessarily a positive image this time, in that he kind of feels like the the guilt is still kind of bearing down of the situation, that like, yeah, cool, Galaxy Eater is kind of a solution, but not really, and mm-hmm. uh, that's just looming over everything, so I'm going to shift Freak up and Mundane down. Um, Ezra. Uh, I'm gonna keep the the same trend that everybody else is doing <laughs> of uh, moving into a, my own image of myself. Uh, I think with like, especially with the with the reveal that you know the young heroes' families are being taken, uh, that Ezra is uh, sort of mentally preparing to uh, reveal some things and also. Uh, in regards to Buzz Ness for the moment, uh, potentially getting ready to do an action that people aren't going to be very quick to forgive. And I'm going to... That's exciting. <laughs> I'm going to shift uh, Danger uh, up to three. Okay. And I'm going to I'm gonna drop Savior down to minus one. Okay. And uh, last but not least, Straw of Vix. Okay. Um... So I was thinking about this because uh, I think what makes the most sense is grow closer to the team. But I think I already or uh, I think Juno already has influence over me. You can do that. That would just mean Juno can shift your labels. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. I think that makes the most sense here. Um, so the only other argument I would give is that you could give it to Jack because you trusted Jack to pretend to be you. I, no, I'm fully behind you doing what you're doing. No, I think, yeah, no, I think it still makes more sense for Gino. Uh, because uh, while, while Straw did trust Jack to do that, uh, Straw does not know how that went yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. That and Juno tentatively said yes to going to the arcade. Right, which is yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Juno, you can shift my labels. If you know uh, what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Hate, that. Hate that so much. Um then let's put um let's put Savior up and Mundane down. Oh man. Mundane is really low. <laughs> Negative two to mundane now. Uh, nice. But uh but yeah. Okay, cool. Um and I'm going to mark potential. Um uh, Straw still has the angry condition from his little skirmish, but I think that's just like made him mad about like the the whole Zrel ascendancy in general, and I think that has not been alleviated by anything that has happened. Um, so potential it is. <laughs> it 
Introducing Tales of the Voidfarer. Join the spacefaring adventures of a group of misfits in this D&D 5th edition podcast inspired by the 2nd edition setting, Spelljammer. My name's Marco Astorio. My character is a Gith Yankee. My character is a Doar. Adorable little penguin people. You're ravenous, right? Yes, and you are. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Luckby Cumble. My name is Captain Valeria Rain, and welcome aboard the Voidfarer. Luckbeak, Ravnus, come on! <laughs> There's so much to see over here! Catch new episodes of Tales of the Voidfarer every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast fix. <laughs> that's funny. Wait, did you just hmm? say that's funny and not laugh, Ravnus? We really have to work on your social skills. <laughs> As you walk down the sidewalk, passing shops of all kinds, the cold wind stinging against your cheeks as the snow beneath your feet gives a light crunching, you see a sign above your goal, Chronicle Comics. You open the door, the ding of the bell letting the clerk know someone has entered. He looks up at your familiar face and says, Hey, uh, that comic you were picking up ended its run, but it looks like the company printing it as uh, something new out. And he hands you a comic. On the cover, a city along the water at night, searchlights across the dark sky. In each light are four faces with names in contrastingly colorful font below them. Falcon Girl. No, he would not be impressed. He'd be like 50 times more pissed than he already is at me. Royale. Yeah, watching and seeing what happens isn't stopping the crime. Remix. Am I the only one confused why Quasi can whisper? Quasi Raptor. Quasi never gets to eat. Above them, in white font with yellow bordering, the words Cape Chronicles. Available every first and third Wednesday of each month starting March 2nd, 2022 from Project Derailed, wherever you get your podcasts. It is cramped in here. ProjectDerailed.com